So in a sense, a rejection got me involved in emergency medicine. <laughs> Whatever clerkship you're on, and you don't ever look at the clock, that's what you should do. My friend was literally about to cut this male patient's penis off. All about luck, opportunity, and just keeping your eyes open on things. That's how I want to be. I want to be like that badass doctor when it's all said and done. All right, welcome back to the EM Stud Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Scott Wieters, your EMED coach, coming at you live for another outstanding edition of the EM Stud Podcast. You know what I like? Well, I like emergency medicine, but what I really like is a great backstory. I, I love to hear the stories behind the experiences, the circumstances, the cases that can really define who we are. And fortunately, I've got some, some brilliant friends that were really kind enough to come by and spend some time over uh, popcorn, a drink, uh, a meal, and, and just reflect on some of the stories that uh, really made them who they are. And so I think you might find when you listen closely that a lot of these are, are going to resonate with you. Uh, some are funny, some sad. Some were the result of uh, maybe an accident or a, a circumstances that seemed to be just extremely tragic and maybe another failure that couldn't possibly be redeemed at first glance. But these people aren't ordinary. They're courageous, they're determined, they're perseverant, and they pulled through to be some pretty amazing physicians. So let's take a, a, a moment and, and really listen to the stories behind some of the thought leaders in emergency medicine. The backstory. So I went to medical school at Stanford and I actually did not even consider emergency medicine as a career choice. Does that sound like Michelle Lynn? Yeah, that's right, Michelle Lynn. You know, the queen of foam ed, creator of the alium.com academic life and emergency medicine website. Yeah, so I hijacked Michelle at a conference and kidnapped her for a few minutes and she was awesome enough to share some of her experiences with us. So let's sit back and listen to what, again, the queen of FOMED has to say about her backstory into emergency medicine. A lot of people, in my case, case included, it's all about luck, opportunity, and just keeping your eyes open on things. So, you know, I am in the, the student hall at Stanford in its first year, None of my friends and I knew at all what we were doing. We were so clueless. And so, you know, I was trying to be efficient, trying to balance fun and work. Um, but my first year, there's just these flyers up there. You're like, anyone interested in research and wanting to be a successful medical student? I'm like, well, I want to be a successful medical student. Who won that? That was the best branding ever. And so I went, pulled off uh, the phone number, uh, the email address, and lo and behold, it just happened to be an emergency medicine research project where they're like, would you, and even for the, yes, I will, I'm like, I'm sorry, what was the question? And, and basically, the, you're hired. And, and by hired, I mean, you get to work for free. And so I said, that's <laughs> wonderful. That's me. That's my job. And it actually um, was about just to call, up, call people for a wound care follow-up uh, about wound infection rates. And I don't know if you saw, it's actually published 
uh, 14 years later. You can look at it now. It just recently came out. <laughs> I should pitch it now. I'm very excited. I'm like second to last author, British Medical Journal. I did all those phone calls about why uh, tap water is just as good as uh, saline for wound irrigation and uh, wound infection rates. Anyway, that was me trying to track everybody down on a phone. But, you know, that opened my eyes because, listen, I, I met all the attendings on shift. I got to talk with all the nurses. I got to see what the dynamics of an ED was like and that there was order within chaos. There was teamwork. And when it was just crazy, I'm like, this is what I want to do, where it wasn't at all hierarchical. Uh, people were all excited about learning and the patients uh, were super sick. And so you're really making the most impact. So all of that kind of meshed together and I want to do this. And ever since then, nothing really compared to uh, emergency medicine all throughout the four years of med school. Well, there you have it from the queen of FOMED, Michelle Lin. Being at the right place at the right time, taking a chance on a research project, and look at her trajectory. Wow. Next, I want to introduce you to a, another rock star of emergency medicine, and let's hear their backstory. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember I was a third-year student doing um, a shadowing shift down in the ER. Who is Salim Rizai, you ask? Yeah, that's him. So Salim is the creator of the Rebel EM website and podcast, also co-creator of the teaching course, which is a phenomenal experience for anyone interested in improving their teaching skills. So Salim is a, a guy that's double-boarded, emergency medicine, and if that's not enough, internal medicine as well. So he's double smart, and he's also a doubly humble guy. I had the awesome opportunity to meet Sal when he was a medical student at Texas A&M. And he, he's got a great story here. And I really want you to hear it because I think this is going to resonate with a lot of you. Let's hear his backstory. And there was a cirrhotic patient that came in uh, coding, brought in by EMS and was getting CPR. And the EMS crew was unable to get an airway um, because the guy was actually bleeding. He was uh, having an upper GI bleed, probably a variceal bleed, um, which is why he coded. And I remember him coming in. I remember it being chaos. I remember there being blood everywhere. I remember nurses freaking out, paramedics freaking out. But there was one person in the room that was just the calm in the storm the entire time. They, they took the head of the bed. They got the airway. They ran the code. The guy ultimately ended up not making it. But I just remember this person, it was like they knew exactly what to do in this time of crisis. And I remember after that thinking, that's how I want to be. I want to be like that badass doctor when it's all said and done. Bam. And that's just the way it happens sometimes. I think a lot of us have had some amazing upper level residents or attendings or mentors that have really demonstrated excellence that have inspired us to do some great things. And that inspiration, I'm telling you, man, Sal has done that in a way that few have. He is a rock star of emergency medicine, and his trajectory is straight up right now. So next we're going to take a look from a little bit of a different perspective, a little lighter note, because some of the stuff you see in the emergency department, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up sometimes. It is that crazy. And... Uh, the next folks are going to be talking about just a, a really funny story that I think draws us to the chaos, the craziness, the you can never make this kind of stuff up that we see 
only in emergency medicine. So let's take a listen to another backstory. I've got a bit of a bizarre story. Can I can I share it with you? All right. So I actually remember the exact year, almost the month. 1974. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Rob Rogers and Will Sanderson from the Wildcast EM podcast. So uh, so Rob's a guy that that I've really uh, had a great mentoring relationship with. Rob's really uh, helped instruct me and, and mold me a lot, uh, both directly and indirectly through the years. And, and Will's another rising star, another faculty at Kentucky. And uh, Will was a guy that I had the pleasure of meeting in an actual interview once. And we've reconnected, become friends, and it's just awesome to see what he is developing into and becoming. So let's, let's take a listen to these guys about their story, about the stuff you just can't make up. And yes, this is not Wildcast, so let me have my turn. I'm just okay. saying. All right. So uh, I went through medical school and got into my third year rotations, and I first started off in pediatrics. My first patient was a screaming kid, and I knew immediately I did not want to do pediatrics. And then I did OB, and then I did surgery, and I went through the third year and thought, you know, I like a little bit of everything, but I don't like any one specialty in particular. So, but I remember my trauma rotation as a third-year student, and I was on my trauma rotation with two good friends, we were on every other night call as students. It was pretty brutal for, for students. And we were on and up all night, writing notes, doing all this gut work. Well, it turns out in Memphis, and I rotated at the, the Med in Memphis, Tennessee. And the medical students on the, on the trauma rotation, they get we were called the groin docs. So the medical students get the Foley, the femoral stick for blood, and a blood and rectal exam. So we get all the, 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 the glamour jobs, and that was the routine. If a trauma patient came in, the three third years that were always on the trauma team, they attacked the groin, and we did the blood gas, and that was about it. And then we went off and did you know notes and scut work for the rest of the trauma team. I remember a call night distinctly where we had a like a PG-8 uh, plastic surgery fellow and who, who didn't want to do trauma, but he was very good at it. And a trauma came in, the three of us went to the groin, we're doing all the, you know, the scut work, and we hear the surgery, the PG-8, scream, no! And we all look in the corner of the room. He was running across the room, and he threw his arm onto the groin of the patient. Well, as it turns out, the other job we had was to take trauma shears and run up the patient's pants and cut the pants off to expose the patient. He's the only person that saw this happening. What was about to happen was my friend was, about, and I'm not going to mention his name, but my friend was literally about to cut this male patient's penis off, and he had taken the shears without cutting and just ran them up the patient's pants in one continuous motion, and the plastic surgery felt that you know, this guy saw it was going to happen, so he ran, he dove on the patient, threw his arm into the scissors, got cut a little bit, but he saved this patient's genitalia, and everyone was like, what just happened? And I remember looking around this trauma bay thinking, oh my God, I have got to do emergency medicine. This is gonna be the weird stuff I'm gonna see all the time. I remember at that moment thinking, I didn't wanna do urology. That could have gone down a urology avenue. But I remember thinking, what other specialty am I gonna see this crazy kind of stuff in other than emergency medicine, maybe trauma surgery? So there's many other reasons I went into EM, but that story stands out in my mind as one of the days that I thought I have to do something like this for a living. And there's my story. You asked for it. So Will's got this look on his face, just not sure really what to do with this information. Sleem and I are 
squirming in our chairs right now, just like holding ourselves, thinking about you almost became a urologist and cut this guy. Yeah. In a place nobody wants to be cut. No, no. One of the things that was leading me away from emergency medicine when I was trying to pick a specialty was that I'd always heard there was no continuity of care, of which there usually isn't, although you can have continuity of care. But what that meant to me was that you couldn't connect with patients. I think that's what people were trying to say. And we had a code uh, when I was a third year medical student on a patient that was in an MVC, young patient. And I just still remember going with the senior resident into the family room afterwards after the code was unsuccessful and hearing him break the bad news to the family. And he did it in a way that I wasn't expecting him to be able to do. And it took a really crummy situation and certainly didn't make it any better, but he could have made it a lot worse. And so the opportunity to positively affect uh, patients, patients' families, and patient care in a specialty that isn't always traditionally associated with the, the touchy-feely stuff uh, really appealed to me. So there you have it from the boys at the Wildcast EM podcast on a hilarious story and then also a real, I think, core of what we do in emergency medicine uh, and Will sharing how sometimes so much of what we do isn't isn't saving a life, but it's it's being with people when they have the worst day of their life and when tragedy strikes to comfort them. So much, so much in emergency medicine. Well, let's switch over to a uh, another backstory from another friend of mine. Let's hear from them. So when I was in high school. I really want, thought that I wanted to be a researcher at the CDC studying Ebola. I read the book, The Hot Zone by Richard Preston, and I really thought that's what I wanted to do. Well, thank God that didn't happen because emergency medicine would not be the same without Steve Carroll. And so Steve is the creator of EM Basic, which I discovered a few years ago. And I think if you're a medical student, if you're an intern, if you're in the you know formative years of your emergency medicine career, this is hands down the best resource for you for education. It is a level at building foundations and Steve just really breaks it down for somebody like, uh, like no other can. And so let's hear about Steve's backstory into emergency medicine. And so I really try to do as much science stuff as I could, uh, big science nerd. And so I applied for this program at Villanova University during the summer where you could do research kind of side by side with professors. And I really thought that this was what I was going to do with my summer. Well, it turns out that they got over 600 applications for about 50 spots and I didn't get one. So it was pretty late in this, uh, right before the summer was going to start. And I, I said, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to spend my time? Uh, what am I going to do for my summer? So. Somehow, I think, I think my mom had mentioned it to me or someone else had mentioned me about being an emergency medical technician. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what that's about, but that sounds kind of cool. So I literally showed up to an ambulance company near my house, and basically I found out that you could be an attendant before you became an EMT, where you essentially were an extra set of hands uh, helping out with the crew. So I was there no more than five minutes. I'd barely gotten changed into a uniform, and the uh, the 
tones drop and it was a call for like a cardiac arrest. So I was literally running up the stairs with my boots half on and we were going lights and sirens to a cardiac arrest, allegedly. It turns out to just be someone that passed out on the street, but it was a pretty cool adrenaline rush. And I literally think after that first call, I was like, this is awesome. I want to do emergency medicine. And from then on out, it was, uh, I did as much as I could. I worked in emergency departments as a tech and as unit secretary. I did as many EMT jobs as I could. I did a trauma externship when I was in college at Inova Fairfax in Virginia, uh, where I saw a lot of uh, very severely injured trauma patients. I love that. And so from pretty much day one, that was my uh, summer before my senior year of high school, I wanted to do emergency medicine. And uh, the only thing that came even close on my medical school rotations was anesthesia, but mostly because they do all the airways. And if anesthesia was doing nothing but invading 30 people a day, I think I would do anesthesia because I really do love airways that much. But that's why I think emergency medicine suits me perfectly. I also like the acute resuscitation phase of uh, really sick emergency department patients. And that's really something that we deal with that not a lot of specialties do. Uh, even the ICU doctors really don't get to see those undifferentiated patients. So that's what I, that's what I love about emergency medicine. That's kind of my backstory. So in a sense, a rejection got me involved in emergency medicine. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Sometimes it's the rejections in life. It's the stumbles, the slips, the falls, the times when things don't go the way that you think they should that then can be redeemed. And so, man, Steve's a great example of that. Let's hear from another friend of mine, a fellow clerkship director. Let's see their backstory. Yeah, my path to emergency medicine was very circumspect and long. Uh, when I was a fourth year medical student, I thought I wanted to do OBGYN. OBGYN, I'm really having trouble seeing Kevin King as an OBGYN because he's an emergency physician in my mind, and a damn good one. So Kevin's a clerkship director in San Antonio, and he had a little bit of a different pathway than I think a lot of people would have taken. And this is a great example and a great story. If you're not the typical applicant that went through college, then medical school, straight to residency, if you had a, a different career, if you have been in a different specialty, maybe you're a latecomer to EM, maybe, you know, whatever, if you didn't take the typical path, you've got to listen to Kevin's story. Here it is. Um, and I applied, and uh, I went to the Uniformed Services University, and as a consequence of being a military medical student on active duty, I was required, interestingly by federal law, um, to do my internship in a military hospital. So there are two uh, emergency, or I'm sorry, there were two OBGYN residencies in the Army, and I failed to match at either one of them. Uh, also, uh, in the late 90s, uh, the Uniform Services University was almost unique in the United States in that it required emergency medicine during the fourth year. And so in December of my fourth year, when the military match results came out, I found myself on an emergency medicine uh, clerkship at Prince George's Hospital in Maryland. And I had long wrestled with what I wanted to do, and uh, I think it was an intern, actually, uh, who I, you know, I couldn't tell you who he was, told me some of the best advice I ever heard for choosing your specialty, which was, whatever clerkship you're on, and you don't ever look at the clock, that's what you should do. And I found myself disappointed that my 12-hour shift in the emergency department was over. And so uh, about halfway through that rotation, I got the 
relatively gut-wrenching news that I had not matched and I was going to go do a transitional internship uh, in El Paso instead of doing a, an OBGYN residency. So uh, I actually started thinking about emergency medicine because I was having such a good time. I had not been exposed to it before then. And I think if I were to choose a patient, it was this gentleman who was in his 60s. He was uh, Japanese who had moved to the United States about 20 years before, was a you know, U.S. citizen, and his daughter brought him in because they lived next door to each other, but she said that he had come over to her house at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, very aggressive and beating on the door, and this was very unlike him. He kept um, bonsai trees and was kind of like Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid movies, just a very gentle guy. Uh, we had to tie him down and sedate him because he was febrile, and I remember doing the lumbar puncture with my faculty looking over my shoulder. There were no residents at this facility. It was just us and the attending. And um, it was the first time I had ever done an LP, and his cerebrospinal fluid looked like unfiltered apple juice. Um, and he got admitted and did fine. And it was then that I really thought, this is pretty cool. I'm seeing a lot of really undifferentiated pathology, and I like the way it always changed around. Um, not to mention my faculty was, uh, he was a good guy, and uh, I liked the way he kind of looked at the world, you know, um, sick versus not sick. There's, you know, we could argue about the nuances of that, but it is a very simple binary question that for whatever reason was very appealing to me. All right, so I'm back with uh, Dr. B, the oldest, the crotchetiest, the... Uh, one of my favorite attendings, and uh, B's one of the founders of our emergency department, our medical residency here, and so I uh, wanted to pick his mind on how his journey through emergency medicine came to be. So B, how did you get into emergency medicine? What was your story? Uh, well, this started many decades ago, as you could imagine. And Osler was in your class, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, I taught him everything he knew. (laughs) And uh, back then, we did what was called a rotating internship. And I remember the month well. It was December, and I was... uh, That was my month for the emergency room. Uh, And uh, I seemed to like it. I fit in. It was easy for me. Most of my peers were grumbling and you know and back then the work was hard I know you think it's hard now but it was you know it was the month of December was nine 12 hour shifts off a day nine 12 hour shifts off a day nine 12 hour shifts and the attending was in the emergency room Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 8 to 9. And that was it. Anyway, I liked it. I was good at it. Um, the uh, place where I was was thinking about starting a residency. The uh, attending who was there uh, came to me and said, Hey, we're thinking about getting a residency going. You want to be a resident in emergency medicine? And I had kind of liked that more than any of the other rotations I'd been on. And I really hadn't picked any other specialty. I was probably just headed for, uh, you know, primary care. Back in those days, you did an internship, and then you just went out and 
hung up your shingle and you were the you were the dock uh, at any rate it just kind of fell into place there were a handful of residencies I think maybe four or six that were underway then and, and uh, they were anxious to get new programs going and so I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and kind of fell into it. So if you're wondering where we stand in emergency medicine, it's on the shoulders of great men and women like Dr. B. Visionaries, trailblazers, people doing things that have never been done before, like being the first EM resident at a place called Grady Hospital at Emory University. So folks, we've heard some great stories. A few of these started off with just being at the right place at the right time. Maybe inspiration provided by a great mentor in a great case. Maybe your backstory is going to be the humor, the excitement, the you can't just make this stuff up kind of things we see in emergency medicine. Maybe the, the humanism of comforting someone with profound loss and horrible pain. Maybe you're at a different course right now. There's a tragedy. Maybe you're in a situation where things just didn't go the way you thought they would. But now you're seeing emergency medicine. That might be your course. What will your story be? What's going to be your pathway towards being an EM stud? On behalf of my colleague, Dr. Nate, this is Scott Weeders, your EMED coach, signing off for another edition of the EM Stud podcast. Special thanks to the Portland Cello Project for their open access version of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. Also, please stop by our website, www.cdemcurriculum.com, that's clerkship directors and emergency medicine.com, for all of your needs to become an EM stud. Rotate well, my friends.